بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم نحمده ونصلي على رسوله الكريم أما بعد الحمد لله once again we have gathered in one of the houses of Allah سبحانه وتعالى for a great cause we call this the great Fajr campaign where we've assembled one is to perform salah but alongside this a great purpose and a concern that we try and do whatever is within our capacity and spare a little bit of time for the cause of Masjid al-Aqsa and Palestine in particular and in doing so we have the Qunut which was recited by Shaykh Ammar a specific action which was done at the time of calamities and tragedy and what greater tragedy can there be than losing Masjid al-Aqsa and the continuous attacks that are taking place against one of the most holiest sites in Islam so we should be doing whatever is within our capacity and the first step towards working towards this cause is to learn is to study is to understand because without understanding a cause without learning about it it's impossible to yield positive results any activism that is based on ignorance and not on knowledge will bring about disaster instead of a positive change so to achieve positive change the first step is to learn is to study is to understand the cause and what better way to understand it than the way Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam explained it and how he taught the Sahaba radiallahu anhum. And alongside this we learn one of the greatest things that we can do to help this cause or any other cause is to connect ourselves to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and develop our relationship. So this is something else that we try to achieve through this. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept the small efforts of everybody, all the brothers and also all the sisters that are present and all of those who are following us from wherever you are in the world. So let's have a quick recap of what we did last week and see how we did with our campaign inshallah and then we'll discuss today's lesson. So what, which lesson was it last week? Number five or six? Five. Okay, mashallah. So we've got people following, alhamdulillah. Right, so lesson five last week. Who can remind us of what lesson five was? Go on. Mashallah, that's very well remembered, alhamdulillah. So we spoke about how uh, the connection between Masjid al-Haram in Mecca, the Kaaba, we're speaking about in particular, and Masjid al-Aqsa. And one of those connections were that when Ibrahim salam uh, rebuilt the Kaaba, from alongside other places, some of the rocks that were used to build uh, the Kaaba were from Baytul Maqdis, were from the vicinity of Masjid al-Aqsa. So every time a person looks towards the Kaaba, makes the tawaf, goes to the Multism, kisses the Hajar al-Aswad, you're also reminded and connected to 
Masjidul Aqsa once again. So Alhamdulillah, that was the hadith, that was the lesson to understand. This is another way how the Prophet wasallam planted the love of Masjidul Aqsa in the hearts of the Sahaba. And then what was, who remembers last week's campaign? What did we ask everybody to do? Go away and everybody was given some homework to do. Brother at the back, mashallah, he's got his four fingers up. Not two, four fingers. Go on. Yes, yeah, so there's many connections between Masjidul Haram and Masjidul Aqsa and the homework you were given was to go back and find research, ask around and find at least four if you can. Uh, was anybody able to do this? Maybe if not even four, even if you have one or two, or if anything comes to your mind now, let's share a few, we can learn from each other inshallah. So we start from uh, brother at the back. Very good, mashallah. So that's one connection. Masjid al-Aqsa was the first Qibla and the Kaaba is the second Qibla. Uh, so this is a one connection that Allah subhanahu, there's no other place which has been a Qibla. So that's a very, very strong connection between Masjid al-Haram and Masjid al-Aqsa that both of them share the Qibla status. Very good, alhamdulillah, that's one connection. MashaAllah, uh, Brother Usman has mentioned something very profound, which has only been discovered very recently uh, in the early 2000s, that the original shape of the Kaaba and the original shape of Masjid Al-Aqsa are identical. Not size, because Masjid Al-Aqsa is 28 times larger than the Kaaba. But if you were to scale it down, remember the Kaaba, the shape of the Kaaba isn't as we see it today, the original shape. The Hatim area, semicircle, that would have been included. So if you were to go back to the roots, as we find from some of the historians that were present there at the time, one of the rebuilding constructions, they found that they, they saw the original uh, foundation stones, and they like the humps of camels. And when you look at the diameters, it's, a, it's an irregular rectangular shape. And if you look at the shape of Masjid Al-Aqsa, it's exactly the same. And if you were to scale it down, like one of the engineers did recently, they found that even the angles match. So if you were to put one on top of the other, they would fit into each other exactly, without any difference whatsoever, from which we learn many, many things. And one of them being that whoever was told to build the first one also built the second one, number one. Number two, we also learn from here that this wasn't done it wasn't a, a, a man's idea. This must have been a divine instruction from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so many thousands of years ago to gain this type of precision. It's impossible for any human being to do. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent wahi to the one who built the Kaaba. And then 40 years later, the same individual built Masjid al-Aqsa. And then we find that the person who did it must have been the same. And it was none other than Prophet Adam alayhi salam according to many of the scholars of Islam. And third important thing, uh, which we've not mentioned here before, uh, which I'm sharing now for the first time, is that naturally, Masjid al-Aqsa faces the Qibla. Naturally. So from that time, the way it was built, although it was the Qibla in itself, uh, the way Masjid Al-Aqsa is, it is actually built in a way where it's 
facing the south from day one. So there are many lessons we can learn from this one particular uh, idea of both of them sharing the same shape. Uh, so that's another connection, alhamdulillah. Anything else? Quranic verses. Um, so we could possibly say, for example, okay, there's, there's a few connections you can make. What's in your mind? Um, okay, so you could connect it in the way of the, what, the first masjids. So the first masjid was Masjidul Haram, and the second was Masjidul Aqsa. So that, from amongst the first, that's a connection as well. Very, very close. I mean, there was no other masjid at that time. And in terms of during those days, 40 years doesn't really mean anything. It's like a week because people would live for hundreds of years. So 40 years wasn't really a, a, a great distance uh, in terms of period. Any, any other connections? So again, uh, we can include Masjid Nabwi in this equation as well. Just like your reward is multiplied in Makkah, in the Haram, reward multiplied in Masjid Nabwi. So another connection we can find, Masjid Al-Aqsa is also one of those masjids that if you undertake a special journey and pray there, your reward will be multiplied. Anything else? How would you connect that to the Kaaba? I think we're missing one of the greatest connections which everybody knows already. It's, it's, it's in the Quran. So Isra and Mi'raj. So this is, this, is, this is probably the greatest connection. Look at the ayah of the Quran where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala brings these two masjids together with just one harful jari in between. Subhanallah asra bi abdihi laylan min al masjid al haram ila al masjid al aqsa. I mean, you can't get greater than that. Well, just like you have in, we say, La ilaha illallah, and then Muhammadur Rasulullah, where Allah brings the name of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam with his name. And some of the narrations we read regarding Prophet Adam alayhi salam when he sought the uh, refuge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And he took the name of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala asked him that, how do you know who this person is that you're reading his name? And he says, I saw maktubun ala al-arsh. I saw it written on the arsh, la ilaha illallah, Muhammadur Rasulullah. I knew that whoever's name is next to yours must be a very great personality. So similarly over here, Masjidul Haram, we know the significance. And to bring alongside it, Subhanallah asra bi abdihi laylan minal masjid al haram ilal masjid al aqsa. Bringing so close together, in between we only have the ila, which means towards. Uh, so that's another great connection. Uh, alhamdulillah. Anything? Yes? Yeah. Yes. The same night. So that's part of the journey. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. The, so again, this is a whole the huge connection there. So from Masjidul Haram to Masjidul Aqsa, and then to Masjidul Aqsa back to Masjidul Haram. So that, that that in itself is a is a massive connection. 
how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala connected both places. Anything else? There's many more. Again, the purpose isn't to list all of them. Uh, it's just to get us, give us an idea that there is a huge connection between both places. Uh, Sheikh is mentioning, uh, similar to what we've heard also. So these three masajid have been mentioned together in one hadith. Uh, so this is also a great connection we find between the three masajid. So alhamdulillah, uh, this is, uh, we've benefited from everybody. Uh, let's move on to today's new lesson, inshallah. So number six. Are you sure it's six, not seven? Okay. So lesson six, inshallah, today's lesson. So today's lesson is also going to be uh, a follow-on from this particular topic. So remember, what's our, what's our title? Our title is, How did the Prophet ﷺ plant the love of Masjid Al-Aqsa in the hearts of the Ummah? Now we've seen from the previous five lessons how it was the noble practice of the Prophet ﷺ to instill the love of Masjid Al-Aqsa in the hearts of the Sahaba. We've seen this. And today we're going to learn another way how he did this so that we can instill that love within our hearts and the hearts of other people as well. So another way how he did this was this. Do you know how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has afforded uh, Masjid Al-Haram in particular a special status where before you arrive to Masjid Al-Haram with the intention of Hajj or Umrah, you, before you pass any of the boundaries, in Islam we call this the Miqat. Okay, the Mawaqit or Miqat is one. So Miqat means simply boundary. So before you pass the boundary, what do you need to do? Ihram. So wearing this Ihram, it's in, in Islam this is a very, it's a very special and a unique uh, position. We don't do this normally. It's, this is afforded to the Masjid Al-Haram and there are certain boundaries. The Prophet ﷺ has said, this boundary and this boundary and this boundary and a hajj or mu'tamir a person going for hajj or umrah wears the ihram from the mawaqit and then you enter and you go and perform your hajj or umrah allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has mentioned or should i say the prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam has planted the love of masjid al-aqsa in the hearts of the ummah by mentioning only one place besides the mawaqit where a Muslim is advised and encouraged to wear ihram from. You will never hear any other place where the Prophet ﷺ has said, go over there and wear your ihram, or go over here and wear your ihram. But there is one place, which is that Masjid Al-Aqsa. In the hadith of Abu Dawood, our mother, Umm Salama radiyallahu ta'ala anha, she relates the hadith. Man ahalla bi hajjatin أو عمرة من المسجد الحرام إلى المسجد الأقصى. So this part everybody knows. Wearing ihram from Masjid al Sorry. من أهل بحجة أو عمرة من المسجد الأقصى إلى المسجد الحرام. Everybody knows this part. But do we know the amazing virtue? The virtue and the reward you get, it's, it's mind-blowing. You don't find many actions that will bring you this kind of reward. Anybody know what the reward is? 
the hadith says man ahalla bihajjatin aw umratin min al-masjid al-aqsa ila al-masjid al-haram ghufira lahu ma taqaddama min dhanbihi wa ma ta'akhkhar aw wajabat lahu al-jannah fi riwayatin the prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said whoever wears the ihram from masjid al-aqsa and goes to Masjid Al-Haram, either to perform Hajj or Umrah, any of the two. So if you can't do the Hajj, because logistically it might not be possible, you can go and do the Umrah as well, and you'll get the same reward. The Prophet has said the reward is, Allah will forgive all your past sins and all your future sins as well. Have you heard this reward for anything? Where you get past things and future as well. This is amazing for past sins and future sins. And then one narration mentions that Jannah becomes uh, necessary upon you. Wajabat lahul Jannah. Jannah is guaranteed for you. So this is something amazing. I, I'll mention the hadith again. Man ahalla bi hajjatin aw umratin min al-masjid al-aqsa ila al-masjid al-haram ghufira lahu ma taqaddama min dhanbihi wa ma ta'akhar. So whoever wears the ihram from Masjid al-aqsa goes to Masjid al-Haram either for Hajj or for Umrah. All your past sins are forgiven, all the future sins are forgiven as well. And none, one narration mentions Wajabat Lahul Jannah. This is in the hadith book of the of Imam Abu Dawood. And Ummu Salama radiallahu ta'ala is the uh, one who has reported this narration. And the Sahaba, they practiced this. Abdullah ibn Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu on many occasions, not just one Sahabi, numerous Sahaba in those times, they learned this and they practiced this. And they went and they wore the ihram from Masjid al-Aqsa and traveled to Masjid al-Haram and performed the Umrah or the Hajj from there. Afterwards, the Tabi'een, they practiced this. Our Salafus Salihin, they practiced this. Even today, alhamdulillah, there are, I won't say many people, but there are people practicing this and doing this. I know one scholar, he's been doing this with, with, with a large group for maybe over 20 years, alhamdulillah. And very successfully, they go on. It's a beautiful scene in Masjid al-Aqsa to see, you know, a whole group of people wearing ihram and reviving this particular sunnah and hadith where they're saying, labbaik Allahumma labbaik and going towards Masjid al-Haram. Yes, brother. Sorry? Yes. Ihram is, you know, when you wear the white clothing, when you go for hajj or umrah, this is what we call ihram. Yeah. So they're tying the ihram from there and it, it's symbolic and even the people of Palestine all come out of their houses from their shops to see and witness this because this was something you know in the past which was done much more often which we see less of today so it's doable people are doing it and uh, this is a, a, a great way how the Prophet ﷺ planted the love of Masjid Al-Aqsa in the hearts of the Sahaba that he connected both of these masajid and he, you know there's already ayat of the Quran there's already a hadith but to further this he said that anybody that does this the amazing reward is all your past sins and future sins will be forgiven may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us a tawfiq so what's the campaign what's this week's campaign how are we going to revive this how can we revive this practically now a lot of things seem quite far-fetched for a lot of us. We think, how am I ever going to do this? At the moment, the idea of going 
for Hajj, it, it's like a distant kind of thing. It's so restricted. Even going for Umrah seems like, when could we even be able to go? Uh, and then not only that, but we're, we're saying to go to Masjid Al-Aqsa and go to Masjid Al-Haram. And we're also saying that not only that, where you're ihram from there, something maybe we've never comprehended before or, or even imagined that we'll ever do. So the first thing is, whilst we're all sitting here, many of us may have never even had this thought in our minds. Have we ever thought of doing this? I mean, you can hear about it. You can hear about something. But the first thing is, have I, I'm asking me, have I ever even had this desire that, yeah, I want to do this one day. This is a sunnah, it's a hadith. Have I even thought of this? So that's the first step. Now that we've heard of it and the amazing virtue, don't think about how it's going to happen because that's not your responsibility. How did we end up here where we are today? Many of us are not, are not even from here. Okay. How did we end up where we are in our lives? We would have never imagined many, many years ago, uh, Adil Bai sitting here, he was in Kuwait not so long ago, uh, and, and sharing some of the stories recently of you know, where he's been and how he's ended up. And like that, many of us, okay, we, we're not from here originally, or we, we're not where we are in our lives today. So that's not our responsibility of how we're gonna get there. It's the intention that counts. And the thought. So first of all, let's all make this intention, inshallah. Okay, do we want this? Yes, I want this. Right. When you want something, so we're not going to go and say now that, right, when you go home now, start planning this. Because we know we have to be realistic. Okay, this is not something that you can just decide, okay, yeah, I want to go and I'm going to do it. We know there's, there's more to it than that. It's not as straightforward. Uh, but... There are other ways that we can start working towards it. So this week's campaign is going to be this. When you really want something, uh, one is that you do, there's two things that you do. One is you talk about it. You discuss it. You share the idea. Regardless how bizarre it might sound to people, people might think you're crazy, but you still talk about it, don't you? Because you really believe in something. So that's number one. But the main thing I'm going to share is this. This week's campaign, what we want everybody to do is throughout the week, maybe after every salah or whenever you get a chance to raise your hands and make dua, ask Allah to help you uh, make this possible. This is it. This is as simple as it is. This is all we're asking. Because at the end of the day, when you want something, you ask Allah for it. Because you know that practically to do it now, it seems impossible. But is anything impossible for Allah? Not at all. Anything is possible for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So everybody will do this inshallah. Those here, those listening from home or those who might watch later on. So this week's campaign inshallah is talk about this. That's fine. But mainly make dua whenever you get a chance, at least this one week that, oh Allah, I've heard this and I want to do it. Only you can help me. Oh Allah, please make it possible. Let me at least once in my life wear ihram from Masjid Al-Aqsa and go to uh, Masjid Al-Haram. I've not done this myself, uh, despite traveling to both places, Alhamdulillah, uh, multiple times, but I've not had a chance myself to ever do this. So I'm also making dua, asking you to make dua for me also, that we can all, inshallah, one day, uh, practice this particular hadith of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. May Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala give us a tawfiq. Now, inshallah, a few minutes will be given for the recitation of Quran. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. So just an update. 
in terms of what's been happening in Palestine since last Sunday to this Sunday. Uh, you know, if somebody tried to cover just the news and events of what's happening, it would be impossible, literally impossible, to cover everything even if we were here all day. Because there are so many things that happen. So I, I don't want anyone to think that the things that we list, that's it. This is probably less than a percent of what's happened uh, during the week. This is just to give us a bit of an idea so we can keep the concern alive and uh, we can continue making our efforts and for us to know that you know this there's still some way to go it's not the end of it okay whatever we're doing alhamdulillah within our capacity but we need to keep doing going and encourage people to do more uh, inshallah so just a few things from this week everybody's heard of the situation in Sheikh Jarrah where uh, many many individuals face forced um, evictions and expulsions from their homes and many have had their homes taken away from them stolen now living in such condition is as difficult as it is but this week the people of Sheikh Jarrah have faced uh, multiple arrests multiple assaults um, they've been attacked by the army by having tear gas thrown into their houses and uh, people being sprayed uh, with pepper spray in their eyes uh, as they're passing by uh, sisters our sisters have been attacked uh, by these forces just for being in their own homes without any provocation whatsoever. Um, we've also had incidents where the settlers who have stolen the houses, uh, every night they've been dancing around the houses in the area just to anger the local Palestinians. Imagine you're seeing the people, when is someone stolen your house and then on top of that someone's dancing outside it just to make a scene uh, and to make you feel angry and um, this particular week there has been an escalation in arrests so even people from the press news reporters and anybody with a camera they've all been attacked and it's kind of been blocked so only the people residents can enter into the area and what they're trying to achieve by this is trying to ensure that nothing is caught on camera now because this is how the, 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 you can see the global kind of uprising, shall we call it, in regards to Palestine has happened through the lens. And it started from Sheikh Jarrah. And they've realized this, that this social media is very powerful. And this is what's woken the whole world up. Let's, let's close it to everybody. Let's do things behind closed doors. It's not so easily possible nowadays, but they're trying to achieve this. And one of the dispersal, dispersal tactics that have been used and they continue to use is using sewage and skunk water, they call it there. Um, and it's, it's, it's really bad, it's very foul. The smell and the stench remains for weeks. It's just spraying people with this sewage water and skunk water, they call it, uh, and, and just dispersing people uh, with this. So this is one of the incidents that have happened. Um, also, we found this week um, 5.6 million Palestinian refugees have been officially registered uh, when they did a count earlier in the week, 5.6 million. The actual number is probably 7 million uh, around the world. 7 million, the largest group of refugees in the world uh, of any country. 
7 million. And we spoke about last, I think it was in the question and answer session on Tuesday regarding the first and the second Nakba and the catastrophe that actually led to people. It wasn't that people left their homes and we found the lands empty. They were forced because they were malicious going in, murdering people and stealing their lands. Obviously, if somebody's doing something like that next to your village, you are going to run for your life. Uh, of course, that's, that's, that goes without saying. Um, uh, another one, this is a, one incident of many, just to give you an understanding of what happens in Jerusalem and the surrounding areas uh, on a daily basis. There's a place called Isawiyah. Um, it's a district of Jerusalem, not very far from Jerusalem. And there we found there was a brother by the name of Ahmed Ubaid. He was given a demolition order for his house. And the occupation said to him that you've got X amount of days. Either you demolish your house or we're going to come and demolish it. And by this particular date, which has gone earlier in this week, if your house isn't demolished, we will bring our bulldozers and you will have to pay for it 400,000 shekels. You know how much that is? 90,000 pound. 90,000 pound. You can buy probably one more than so many houses over there with that kind of money. 90,000 pound, not to build. We're not saying to build a house or to buy a house. Your house which you've been living in, your parents, your grandparents, and you've had for so many years, we, all your memories you've built up there, 90,000 pound to knock that building down. So we see our brother Ahmed Ubaid in Isawiya. The video's there, it's so hard to watch. He wakes up on that morning knowing he has no other choice just to avoid paying 90,000 pound for a Zionist occupation to come and break his house. He himself is there with a hammer and he's breaking down stone by stone, brick by brick, where he built his memories and his family. This is not a one-off incident, not a one-off incident, because uh, 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 we'll, we'll find that out now how this is not one-off incident. Today is a very significant day in terms of housing. Um, I, I, I take you to another area. The north of Jerusalem, we have Nablus. You've heard of Nablus. Everybody knows about the soap of Palestine, Palestinian soap, that you get these soap bars. And you, everybody knows Kanafa. Okay, I'll give you a better example. Kanafa. Kanafa, uh, Palestinian Kanafa is very famous. Nablus is very originates from, and it's very tasty. Anybody who gets a chance to go uh, and visits Nablus, well, you get it everywhere now, not just there, but they have a special cheese that they make there in a certain way, which you don't get everywhere. Uh, even people here that make it, they actually have to get that because you don't get that type of cheese over here to be able to make the, that type of kanafa that you have. You get people copying it, uh, but what you have there is quite unique. So in, on the outskirts of Nablus, there is a village called uh, Bita. And what's happened is the Zionist settlers have stolen five acres of land on a high area called Jabal Sabih, Mount Sabih, in this Bita village, five acres of land. Now this was a source of livelihood because this is where they had the olive tree orchards. So imagine your source of livelihood for so many people. First of all, they stole this land, five acres of land. So you can see the pictures clearly. A beautiful olive orchards before and after. Now what do you see? They've made these outposts 
and it's like a caravan park. So they've, they've stolen the land and they've bought in 45 families. They've built makeshift homes, 45 makeshift, makeshift homes. And this is how the, uh, the uh, settlements are built. This is how settlements are built. First, they put up cab cabins. First it says tents and then they go into cabins. And then after some time, it becomes like a makeshift kind of a home. And then it becomes a, a proper fortified area. So there's 45 homes at the moment. And every single day, the Palestinians in the area, because to the extent this is quite unique, this doesn't normally happen. Even the occupation government have actually told the settlers to evacu evacuate. Can you believe this? They've been told to evacuate because this is a security threat. It's a provocation. It goes against the Fourth Geneva Convention. It goes against the, so many things of the ICC. But that's with all of them anyway. But this particular one, there was no reason. There was no explanation. They couldn't, you know, they try and justify somehow. But here, there was nothing. It's rather a security threat. So they've been even given a court order to evacuate. I'm talking about the settlers. But they've become so emboldened by years of support from the military, from the government, that they don't want to listen to them as well. In the last few weeks, four Palestinians have been shot dead just for protesting against this. They weren't fighting. This is, this is, we're not talking about Gaza at the moment. We're talking about some people's land in the West Bank. So this is area which they've given to them as saying this is Palestine. So within the West Bank, Okay, you've got a, a, you know, thousands of these uh, settlers living in the West Bank and then settlements. So this is potentially, this is going to become a new settlement. And not only have they got the five acres, they've got the 45 makeshift homes. On top of that, they want to add another 70 very soon. So every single day, the Palestinians in the area, they have said, we are not going to allow this to happen. So they're carrying out something which they call conf night confusion activities. So at night time, what they do, they're, they're taking out these horns and blowing in these horns. They've got torches, they t light fire to it and walking around with it. Uh, they're burning these tires and throwing, throwing, throwing them, making a lot of noise just to drive them out. Uh, and they don't have a choice. I mean, imagine someone came and took your home. Oh, what, what are you going to do? You're just going to let them take it. So they're trying to cause them to leave but they just won't go even though they've been told to evacuate and like i said as a result and the military then support them they are attacking the protesters are being attacked they're being arrested uh, like i said four people have been killed shot dead just for fighting for their own land and their livelihood uh, the olive trees have been burnt more than 100 olive trees which is a source of income and livelihood have been set on fire the uh, military came and confiscated all of the things that they used to protest with their tires and whatnot. And this is happening every single day. So this is an issue which is, you don't hear it on the news, you don't see it, but it's quite rife and it's a great concern because you've seen all of the previous settlements, this is how it starts off. So if they were to just think, oh, let them do what they're doing, uh, very soon they're gonna lose what's there and then much more as well. So we make dua for them also, and that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes it easy for them. Um, and the final thing I'm going to mention for today is today marks the last day, or yesterday was the last day, 
where 135 families in the area of Hay al-Bustan, which is an area in Silwan. Silwan is on the doorstep of Masjid al-Aqsa. So you've got Masjid al-Aqsa, the first area that comes is the area of Silwan. In that area, 135 families, do you know how much that equals to in number of people? It's not like our houses. If you ask those people who've come from, you know, the, the younger people, we wouldn't know. But the elders who've come from back home and even in um, possibly Egypt as well, uh, I'm, I'm not sure if it's like that in Tanzania, but I can imagine it is. And uh, all of the countries where people, the, all the families would live together in a, in a large home. So if there's four, five, six, seven brothers, you know, they'd have a large home and each one would have a, a certain area in the home. So it, uh, they'd have their own facilities, but it'd be one big house. So in one house, you wouldn't have like the five people that we have. It'll be one house which consists of maybe 50 people because it's all of them with all their children and their grandchildren. Uh, and they've got all their living quarters, separate rooms and separate bathrooms and everything. But it's, and so when we say 135 families, you just don't times that by five, like we have here. That's 1,500 people. 1,500 people today was the last, well, yesterday was the last day. They were given a demolition order and the time's up. So today is a very difficult day. Only Allah knows what's going to happen. Um, and they were told that you've got this many days and there's been a countdown. Yesterday was the last day I saw the notice said 24 hours remain for the people in Hay uh, al-Bustan, in the area of Silwan. And this is not one or two houses like Ahmad Ubaid, who then he had to, you know, demolish his own house. This is 1,500 individuals. Where are they going to go? And why? Why are they saying this? They're saying we want to do this out of public interest. We want to create a biblical park in, on this land so that when people come, they can show them the Zionist narrative. Because remember, it's very significant. It's very close to Masjid al-Aqsa. So they want to show the, the Zionist narrative uh, of the area. And obviously having so many Palestinians owning houses there, uh, it goes against what they're trying to do. And this is the justification that they have been given. So please do make dua uh, for these individuals. These are serious issues that affect all of us. And it's not just about individuals here because by them losing their houses, okay, yes, you might say people are losing their houses in other areas of the world. Yes, this is not just about land. This is not just about people. There's a much greater thing here as well, is the greater that these people are the ones defending Masjid al-Aqsa. You lose these people, you're losing more of Masjid al-Aqsa as well. Uh, because if they go, you know exactly what happens, who comes, and they get more control and becomes more and more difficult. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make it easy for our brothers and sisters uh, in Palestine in particular and throughout the world in general, wherever they may be persecuted or suffering. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us a tawfiq. So please do make special dua for this particular case in Silwan today uh, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala brings about some kind of change. Because of the international outcry, uh, even the case of Sheikh Jarrah, the whole idea, again, it's the same thing there. Sheikh Jarrah Silwan, exactly the same thing. That is what the battle is about. And because there has been so much talk about it all over the world, and people have woken up to it, this is the only reason why the appeal process has been delayed in the courts. Otherwise, they would have gone ahead and done it. 
Normally that's what they do and nobody knows about it in the world. Everyone's doing their own thing. But because this time you brothers and sisters are awake, you're following the news, you're speaking about it, you're sharing the hashtags online and the, whatever you're doing, it's making a difference. Don't give up. Keep going, carry on inshallah. We will see a change and Allah will reward everybody for whatever effort that we do. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us a tawfiq. We make some dhikr and dua and then breakfast is served upstairs for everybody as well. Jazakumullah khaira. Recite the Rishadik Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala ahli Sayyidina Muhammad wa barik wa sallim. لا إله إلا الله 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 سبحان الله والحمد لله ولا إله إلا الله والله أكبر ولا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم سبحان الله والحمد لله ولا إله إلا الله والله أكبر ولا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم سبحان الله والحمد لله ولا إله إلا الله والله أكبر ولا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم سبحان الله والحمد لله ولا إله إلا الله والله أكبر ولا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم سبحان الله والحمد لله ولا إله إلا الله والله أكبر ولا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم 
سبحان الله وبحمده سبحان الله العظيم سبحان الله وبحمده سبحان الله العظيم سبحان الله وبحمده سبحان الله العظيم سبحان الله وبحمده سبحان الله العظيم سبحان الله وبحمده سبحان الله العظيم سبحان الله وبحمده سبحان الله العظيم سبحان الله وبحمده سبحان الله العظيم سبحان الله وبحمده سبحان الله العظيم استغفر الله 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 الله والله 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 الله 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 والله 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 لا اله الا الله محمد رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم اللهم صل وسلم وبارك على سيدنا ونبينا وشفيعنا وحبيبنا وسندنا ومولانا محمد مبارك وسلم يا ذا الجلال والاكرام يا ذا الجلال والاكرام يا ذا الجلال والاكرام لا اله الا انت سبحانك اني كنت من الظالمين والهكم اله واحد لا اله الا هو الرحمن الرحيم اللهم لا احصي ثناء عليك انت كما اثنيت على نفسك جزا الله عنا سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم ما هو اهله رضينا بالله ربا وبالاسلام دينا وبمحمد صلى الله عليه وسلم رسولا ونبيا الحمد لله الذي هدانا لهذا وما كنا لنهتدي لولا ان هدانا الله اللهم لك الحمد كله ولك الشكر كله اللهم لك الحمد ولا نعمه الايمان ولك الحمد ولا نعمه الاسلام ربنا ظلمنا انفسنا وان لم تغفر لنا وترحمنا لنكونن من الخاسرين رب اغفر وارحم وتجاوز عما تعلم انك انت الاعز الاكرم رب O kind and loving Allah, O most merciful Allah, O ghaffar and forgiving Allah, O Allah, please forgive our sins. O Allah, throughout the week we have committed many acts of your disobedience, O Allah. We have sinned, O Allah. We have disobeyed.
obeyed you, O Allah, but you are Ghaffar, O Allah. You are most kind and most merciful, O Allah. Allah, forgive all our sins, O Allah. We have come to you for your forgiveness, O Allah. Allah, you love to forgive sins, O Allah. We are sinners, O Allah. You are the most forgiving, O Allah. Please forgive us, O Allah. The major and the minor, O Allah. The open and the secret, O Allah. The, every type of sin we have, O Allah. And you forgive every sin, no sin is such that you can't forgive, O oh Allah. You are the greatest forgiver, O oh Allah. Please forgive everything we have done, O oh Allah. Help us to stay away from sins, O oh Allah. Help us to obey you, O oh Allah. Grant us a life of taqwa, O oh Allah. Grant us your obedience, O oh Allah. Make it easy for us to carry out good deeds, O oh Allah. Become pleased with us, O oh Allah. Safeguard us from your anger, O oh Allah. Grant us barakah within our homes, O oh Allah. Grant us barakah within our lives, O oh Allah. Grant us barakah within our livelihood, O oh Allah. Grant us barakah within our families and our work, O oh Allah. Grant us barakah wherever we are, whatever we may do, O oh Allah. Always keep us in your protection, O oh Allah. Help us and guide us, O oh Allah. Sustain and protect us, O oh Allah. Grant us good health and afiyah, O oh Allah. Those who are ill, grant them shifa and afiyah, O oh Allah. Those who have left the world, O oh Allah, fill their graves with noor, O oh Allah. Elevate their status in the hereafter, O oh Allah. Grant them maghfirah, O oh Allah. Have mercy on the ummah, O oh Allah. Have mercy on the ummah, O oh Allah. Have mercy on the ummah, O oh Allah. Those of our brothers and sisters who are suffering throughout the world, O oh Allah, relieve them from their conditions, O oh Allah. In particular, we ask you, O oh Allah, have mercy on the people of Palestine, O oh Allah. In particular, the people of Silwan, the area of Al-Bustan, who are facing home demolitions and evictions today, O oh Allah. O oh Allah, safeguard their houses, O oh Allah. Safeguard their livelihood, O oh Allah. Protect them, O oh Allah. Protect them, O oh Allah. Protect them, O oh Allah. O oh Allah, grant them your divine rescue, O oh Allah. Grant them your <coughs> divine support, O oh Allah. Help and protect every male and female, O oh Allah. Protect the Iman, O oh Allah. Protect the Iman of the Uyghur Muslims, O oh Allah. Sustain and protect them, O oh Allah. <coughs> Alleviate their sufferings, O oh Allah. Alleviate the suffering of the entire Ummah, O oh Allah. Those who are going through difficulties, O oh Allah, grant them ease, O oh Allah. Those who are living in fear, grant them safety, O oh Allah. Those who are starving, grant them food, O oh Allah. Those who are thirsty, grant them clean water, O oh Allah. Help us to appreciate all of your bounties, O oh Allah. You have given us so much, O oh Allah. And but however, O oh Allah, we are ungrateful, O oh Allah. Make us grateful, O oh Allah. Make us grateful, O oh Allah. Make us grateful, O oh Allah. We thank you for all of your blessings, O oh Allah. Do not take them away from us, O oh Allah. We know you are testing us, O oh Allah. Help us in our test, O oh Allah. Test us only with afiyah, O oh Allah. We always need your afiyah, O oh Allah. Always keep us in your afiyah, O oh Allah. Do not turn away from us, O oh Allah. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam asked of you many good things. We ask of you the same. He sought your protection from many evils. We seek your protection from the same. Subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifun. Wa salamun ala al-mursaleen. Walhamdulillahi rabbil alamin.